morning. Um, my name is Andrew, and I'm one of the members of the teaching team here at the Vineyard. Um, let me go ahead and pray for us just before we get started. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you here. We ask you to prepare us for whatever it is that you're doing this morning. God, anything in my talk that's not what you're doing, would those things just pass away? But God, whatever you are doing, would you um, take hold of those things? And would you put them where they need to go? God, would you prepare us? Um, Lord, we're just so thankful to be gathered here together to be with you. We love you, Jesus. pray this in your name. Amen. Well, it's nice to see you all. Um, Some new faces, some older faces, some guests. It's good to see you. Um, For this week's message, Clara asked me to talk a little bit about a major transition that Nikki and I are going to be going through. And I think most of you know already, but at the end of the month, uh, Nikki and I will be moving from San Antonio and we'll be moving to Los Angeles. And uh, (laughs) we'll be moving to Los Angeles for two years to work with an organization called Servant Partners. Um, There you go. Oh, you really can't see the outline, but that's the world, and those are like Google Maps blips on where they're at. Um, You'll have to take my word for it. Um, Servant Partners is a mission, and they plant churches in urban poor communities all over the world. And so you can see kind of on the west coast of the U.S. there some of where they're clustered. And we'll be in South Los Angeles for two years, and we're going to live in that neighborhood, and we'll be a part of... um, a part of the church there, that they're growing in that neighborhood. And we'll be learning how to develop an intimacy with Jesus in the city. We'll be building relationships with our neighbors. And we'll be discerning together with other interns what God might be calling us to next. Um, So we're deeply excited for this. Um, It's uh, something that's very near and dear to Nikki um, and uh, me and Nikki's hearts. And... Um, I wanted to say that we're going to send out an email newsletter every month just to kind of keep in touch. And a lot of you are already subscribers to that. If you'd like to get that email newsletter, let us know, and you'll get um, some content from us every month. Just this is how we're doing, and this is how you can pray for us and and stuff like that. And I think Clara wanted me to be able to share a little bit about urban ministry, um, ministering among urban poor people and how that's a part of God's heart, and just to kind of invite you guys into that. And that is something that that I'm really passionate about, something that Nikki and I care dearly about. But the more I tried to prepare that talk, the more I just felt stuck, which happens sometimes. And so instead of um, knocking my head against a wall, I just kind of slowed down and asked the Father what he was doing. Nikki and I are so excited for the new things God is inviting us to. And in some ways, this is actually a fulfillment of a dream we've had for years since um, like being children, in little ways, we've felt God leading us um, to go to forgettable people and minister. And so this is really the fulfillment of a calling years in the making. Uh, yet now that we're on the verge of going, on the verge of doing it, we feel a deep sadness growing in us. We feel deep sadness as we pack up our apartments um, and as we prepare to move across the country because it will mean a lot of changes it will mean leaving. It will mean leaving you all. And while we'll st- stay connected, and I, we hope you'll do the same, relationships will change inevitably, right? We won't be involved in the church um, like we have in the past. 
And so today, instead of teaching on, on urban ministry and God's heart for that, I'm, I'm going to teach a little bit on life in God's kingdom and the pain of leaving. How's that for a title? Um, it just felt right. It just felt like that was what God was doing. And I hope in the future um, that Nikki and I will be back and we'll be able to talk about urban ministry and we'll be able to invite you guys into that a little bit. But for right now, I think this is what God is doing and what I can offer you best. Our scripture is from Mark chapter 10. You can pull that up for me, David. And it's starting in verse 28. And it says, Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. Now our scripture is an exchange between Jesus and Peter, one of Jesus' followers. But the exchange actually comes after another conversation. Um, a rich ruler, is the person who's described as, comes to Jesus and he says, Good teacher, how can I and what, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus and he speak for a while, they converse, and ultimately Jesus says, um, What you need to do is go sell all your possessions, give to the poor, then you'll have eternal life and you can come and follow me. Now, this is obviously quite the invitation. It would have meant a lot of cost, and the rich man walks away. He doesn't take Jesus up on his offer. And Jesus is saddened by the man's decision to not follow him, and so he laments out loud how hard it is for anyone to follow him. And honestly, how it's actually impossible for anyone to follow him on their own. It has to be something that God is doing and the person wants to partner with. And these words from Jesus, they seem to touch a nerve with Peter, one of Jesus' earliest followers. And so he says, what about us? What about our reward? After all, look at all we've given up to follow you. Earlier in Mark's story, we're given some hints about just what Peter gave up. In chapter 1, we're told, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who's Peter, and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Later that day, Jesus comes to Peter's home and he heals Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. And in that little detail, we figure out that in all likelihood, Peter has a wife and children because he has a mother-in-law. Um, now, there's a possibility he doesn't, but most likely he has a wife and children. And so what begins to come into focus is what exactly Peter has sacrificed to follow Jesus we can begin to understand that Peter is saying, Jesus, what about me? What about the honest and stable job I left? What about the family I don't see consistently anymore? What about all I've given up? Does that count for anything? There's something uniquely painful about leaving, isn't there? Whether it's a season of life we've enjoyed or a place, it means former rhythms of life are interrupted and relationships must change. In our world, life is transient, life is shifting, and so are the relationships we have. How many of us live where our parents lived or do the work that our parents did before us? How many of us 
raise our children where we grew up. I've heard the statistic from my own generation that uh, we'll have four to seven careers in our lifetimes. Not jobs, but careers. That's my generation. Sometimes people joke and they say, if you don't like the way things are now, just wait a while. (laughs) And as we follow Jesus, we don't escape these changes. We find a healthy church and begin to set down roots only for a conflict to pull it apart. We sense that God is leading us somewhere else, but in the end, the opportunity closes as soon as it appeared. We have a desire to reach out to a coworker who suddenly switches jobs and leaves our life. I remember one of my early lessons in um, the changing relationships of life. I was 13 years old, um, and my pastor Brad had become something, my youth pastor Brad, rather, had become something of a father to me. Um, At the time in my life, my dad was not really involved, um, but in Brad, I found this man who was deeply kind. Um, Brad seemed genuinely interested in me, and he spent time with me. And for the three years that he and his wife were at our church, I felt this deep sense of belonging and acceptance. Then one spring evening, Brad and his wife invited me to get dinner with them. And David, you can pull up the next slide. We went to this restaurant. Um, Maybe. I don't know if I saved the right picture. But that might be Woodside Deli. It's sort of a famous restaurant in the Washington metro area called Woodside Deli. And we sat at a leather booth. And I ordered a chicken club sandwich that came with a mountain of Ruffles potato chips. I remember that night pretty well. And everything seemed perfectly normal. We were enjoying each other's company when Brad informed me that he had accepted another position in Florida and that they would be moving that summer. As you might imagine, I was crushed. I suppose I just thought life would go on forever as I enjoyed it. But in a moment, it changed so much. I would imagine that all of us here have had painful goodbyes just like that one. Perhaps you felt God was leading away from a place you came to love, or maybe you were the person who felt left behind and forgotten. Can you hear that Peter's exclamation is really our own? Jesus, do you see how much I've given you? I don't think I can give any more. And into our hurt and fear, Jesus speaks. Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. I appreciate how Jesus never lies to us. And he never dismisses our hurt. He affirms that to follow him might very well mean leaving our homes, the homes we've always known, the families that are so dear to us, and the livelihoods we've invested years into. It might just as often mean that we are the ones who must watch our loved ones go, the brothers and sisters who watch their loved ones go on to the new places Jesus is leading. This is the costliness of what it means to follow Jesus. Throughout Mark's gospel, which we've been studying in our small group uh, this summer, and we've just gotten into the second chapter now, but it's become clear that Jesus is unapologetic about this call. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. 
Over and over again, he issues this call. It's the call he gave to Peter and Andrew, to James and John, to Levi. It's the call he gave to this rich young man. Come, follow me. There seems to be no other way to know Jesus than to follow him. Indeed, there seems to be no other way to find the eternal life that that rich young ruler was looking for apart from following Jesus. Yet Jesus explains to us that while the cost of following him is great, it is not one that we have to pay grudgingly. And typically I hear Christians speaking about heaven as the remedy to this sort of thing. So we say things like, man, that's hard, but won't heaven be worth it? Or, man, that's such a challenging thing, but heaven will be nice. And I agree, the kingdom of God is going to be really nice. But I think the problem with this sort of thinking is that Um, is that it supposes God isn't trying to do something wonderful in our lives today. It says that we need to wait for something far off then. It says that God isn't really interested in today, but only in tomorrow. But Jesus talks about the present age in this passage. When Jesus comforts Peter, he focuses most fully on what he can hope for in his life in this present age. For every relationship that must change drastically, for every home that must be left, there are new families and new homes to belong to. In this age, before the kingdom of God comes fully, there is much to receive from Jesus. This is such an important thing to understand because Jesus is absolutely not saying that this life of yours is not really important compared to heaven. Right? He's not saying, don't worry about this life. Heaven is the only thing to care about. No, instead he is saying that this world is so important to him and every life in it is so important to him that he wants to heal and redeem it. So come follow me now. And the way that he wants to transform this world is by people following him and becoming that transformation. And Jesus is saying that if you value what you already have, come follow me. You had one family, one home, one way of living, but I will expand what you have. I will increase it. I will make you a part of a great family. I will provide many homes for you. I will make many places for you to belong to and be known in that far exceed what you can imagine. That is what the kingdom of God is. It is not suffering for suffering's sake. Despite what you may have heard growing up, despite what I think I heard growing up a lot, it is not suffering for suffering's sake. And someday in heaven it will be okay. No, the kingdom of God is letting go of our decent lives, the decent lives that we could fashion for ourselves to embrace the much better life that Jesus wants to make with us. Sometimes when I think about the sort of life Nikki and I seem to be choosing, I get worried, to be honest. I think my parents don't think I get worried, but I do. I think they think that that I'm just happy-go-lucky with it, but I do get worried. I think about it. Won't it be hard? Won't it be hard to live in another culture? How are we going to save for retirement as missionaries? I don't know. Do missionaries do that? Uh, You know? Won't it be hard to be displaced, to live in a place that we're not from? People ask us all the time, what's going to happen when we have kids? I don't know. People raise their kids in those communities too, so I don't know what we would do. How can I help my parents as they grow older and age? I don't know. To be honest, moving into an urban poor community kind of sounds upside down. It kind of sounds like a bad idea sometimes. But I can't deny that some of the most wonderful times of my life have been in seemingly hopeless places. 
Some of the richest experiences of God have been in places far from home. Some of the richest experiences of home have been with people who have no home. The times I have felt most alive, the kind of life you want to live forever starting today, well, those have happened when I've come alongside Jesus. And so I ask for his grace to trust him. I ask for his empowering presence to trust him. I wrestle and pray and ultimately resolve to cross that bridge when we come to it. To believe that he will see us through because he said so. When Jesus speaks of the age to come, he isn't saying that that is all that really matters. He is inviting us to begin a life with him today that will grow into eternal life. Anyone who wants a place in that new world is welcome to come. As with the rich ruler, there are chains that might have to be broken. There are choices that have to be made if we are to enter that age to come. But it is open to everyone. And this is one of the most intriguing things about Jesus. And I think we've seen it in our Bible study this summer. Is that he has authority over every illness. And all of the demons obey him. But people don't always obey him. Jesus has all this authority, yet he refuses to use it to force people to, to follow him. Excuse me. He freely invites, he lays his heart bare, and then he waits for our decision. Come, follow me. Come, follow me. I would imagine that for all of us here today, we face some kind of decision. And it might not be moving from a place, but it might be. It might be that God is calling you into a different season, a different way of relating to people, a different way of relating to Him, a different focus in your life. Come follow me. It might be that He's called you to something costly, seeking forgiveness, forgiving someone else. And for the longest time, it's just seemed too great a cost. It seemed like a bad deal. But He says, come follow me. Come follow me and there's a hundredfold of what you could ever imagine for you in this life, now, and in the life to come. Maybe as I was speaking, um, some grief got kicked up from you, for you. A relationship that ended too soon, having to leave a place that felt like home, right? We're displaced people increasingly. We shift around. Maybe there's been some hurt there. And maybe Jesus is saying to you today, come follow me. I know it hurts, but I want to heal that. I have good things for you. I don't know exactly what it is today that Jesus is saying, come follow me over. But I bet you it's costly in some way or shape or form. But it's okay. There's a hundredfold of life for you in this moment, in this day, and in the age to come. And I wanted to share kind of a, an encouragement to our church here. Um, this will be the last time I get to teach before we leave for L.A. And I was thinking, um, what was it that I wanted to tell our church? And I think it was this. Never stop giving. Never stop giving yourselves so richly. When Nikki and I arrived here at the church, um, like a lot of people, probably just kind of church hunting and shopping around, we had no idea um, of all the riches and treasures that would be given to us here in this place by all of you. You have shared with us the freedom that Christ gives. Cindy and Janice and Kevin's not here. 
you guys helped show me freedom in Christ. You've showed us an openness um, and a love of the Spirit and His ministry. You all have um, shown us the deeper life, the attentive life, the contemplative life. Juan, Randy, Kevin again. You guys have been my spiritual friends. You are my spiritual friends. You have blessed us to share our own gifts as well because everybody plays. You have been our mothers and fathers, our brothers and our sisters. You have been our home. So please, never stop giving these gifts to whoever you can. I know it is costly. I know it hurts when people come and are called elsewhere far too soon. It hurts us, and so I know it hurts you. But never stop giving these treasures. Wherever we go, we will try and give these away to whoever will take them. And we hope you'll keep doing the same. Everywhere we will go, we will carry you with us. We will be your testimony. And you will be ours. And so I want to just close by inviting um, some prayer ministers to head to that side of the room. Um, At the vineyard, we always have a time of prayer ministry at the end. And if you feel like God is stirring something in you, I encourage you to go and pray, um, to go receive some care in that way. If you feel like some grief got kicked up for you, um, a relationship that ended too soon, having to leave a place, and that's just... That's just not been healed. I encourage you just to go and be with Jesus in that. If you know Jesus is calling you to something new and it's costly and you think it's going to be painful and and you just are resisting it, I encourage you to go engage with Jesus and hear what he has to say about that. And um, if if you don't have to receive prayer ministry, as soon as I close with the benediction, you're dismissed and you can head over to the barbecue and the baptism but um, I chose this benediction especially for us today I'll be okay may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you may he guide you through the wilderness protect you through the storm may he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.